0: Privilege, quite uh, quick personal privilege.
1: Yes. how uh, hot dog is my favorite meat. <laughs> this is
0: Armstrong and Getty. The lunacy of this this exercise. What do you call it? Uncomfortable clarity? How funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown,
1: I am usually. Amen. Alright, go, go. <clears throat> I'm ready.
0: He is Armstrong and Getty.
1: You're listening to the best, the Armstrong and Getty Show. They were doing mad libs last night at bedtime. Got a, got a Mad Libs book and one uh, of the great pleasures in life. My ki- kids are on a kick with it right now, and um, if you have a seven and nine year old, if you have seven and nine year old boys and you do Mad Libs, every answer noun, verb, adjective, whatever it is, is going to be flatulence, <laughs> feet, butt, or poop related. <laughs> booger exactly
0: oh, it's the boy. whole thing
1: and then they laugh till they cry
0: oh boy and you incorporate them into your story <laughs> i tell you what many a highway mile was wild away during mad lib doing mad libs uh in the car And years past good times good times um yeah. And there's some pressure on dad to come up with cloud. Do you participate or are you merely the uh the pivot man, the we, we the take scribe? Time. We take turns. Yeah, excellent. Excellent. Oh, I got three nouns in a row. That sort of thing. I remember that. So I'm trying to focus uh, through my bitter, burning hunger as I'm trying to do the intermittent fasting thing. <laughs> I've gotten my, on that bandwagon.
1: My bitter, burning hunger. You awesome. trend chasers. Uh, we got so many. We were talking about this mm. last week. We got so many texts from
0: people who say they've tried everything.
1: Yeah. And then they tried the... You know, uh, whatever you call it. Different intermittent people different.
0: fasting, but it's the only eaten a fairly narrow chunk of the day. Well, The ideal get down to six hours of the day or so. No.
1: There are different names, and I guess it's because you claim in your book. Oh, boy. So you, you put a different name on it, so yeah. you got your own book. And uh, whatever. Said, but anyway,
0: I'm, intermittent fasting is about, periodic eating is what you need <laughs> to go for. <laughs> Exactly, yeah. but
1: uh, so what? What hour window are you going for? Right
0: well, here? see, I'm going to ease into it because the good advice I get is that you narrow it bit by bit by bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so what do you have right now? I was just going to not eat for one uh, hour. Why don't you just <laughs> let me talk?
1: Going to cut one hour out.
0: Why? Why all these questions? <laughs> I'll eat for 23 hours. Take one hour off. I am now <laughs> roughly an hour and a half past when I normally have a little something to eat before the show. And my stomach's digesting itself. But I'm told that, <laughs> that that it doesn't last. You change your patterns. Because so, you collapse and you go to the emergency room. Right, and exactly. And then they the feed you a- <laughs> IVs. And so then it doesn't matter. All right, so uh listen.
1: But you won't reveal how many hours you're doing right now? Because we got oh. lots of people with the different hours that they... I couldn't believe how many texts we got last week. Because you know, we, we bring up the latest diet, whatever, now and then. But never so many people saying, oh, yeah, oh, my God. Right, right. Yeah,
0: well, i now high
1: school weight for the first time, and I've done them all, you know, that at, sort of thing.
0: At this point, honestly, my idea is, um, and I kind of accidentally have made it into an hour and a half. Um, it's going to be an hour later that I start eating and an hour earlier that I stop eating, or the difficult part, enjoying delicious, delicious wine in the evening. So, um, and the
1: goal for most people is to get it into a six-hour window. Well, that's that's like the ultimate. Small. That's the ultimate. I, I can't imagine that's ever being the able ultimate. To... There's well, like that's certain right. tech CEOs who who every other day they they fast to the point of hallucinations and swear <laughs> that no, I'm really getting in tune with like okay, let's calm down. But most medical people that I've seen recommend the six-hour thing is a and good that's, goal. That's a small window to eat.
0: Yes. <sighs> You know, we get up at o' dark thirty, so not eating till say one p.m. And I have, and then to. calling it good at seven. Plus,
1: I, I'm not going to eliminate eating with my family at night, so that's gotta be included.
0: That's why you make your window uh, crossover. I got a great uh, we. Well, we got a great note from uh, Craig, uh, the Obamacare lawyer, the healthcare guru, and also a female listener of ours wrote a terrific email that I'll share with you, but. Um. Yeah, she suggests. Yeah, make it overlap dinner so you can have dinner with the family. Plus, you look forward to a nice big meal, so you don't feel cheated during the day. And that's uh, those are the words I'm chewing on because I'm not chewing on any food. <laughs> well, you're looking slimmer. You look a lot slimmer. You. Yeah, yeah. I minutes you. You know what? I've already lost two grams. Thank you. <laughs> so listen, a lot of attention over the w- weekend to the draft of the university uh I'm sorry Colorado State University uh inclusive language guide it was a draft that actually came out a while ago but it came to the fore cuz one of your prager university gals uh, made a video about it um and it's absolutely astounding how far this stuff is going the desperate search for things to be offended by on other people's behalf I mean, down to the minutiae. And the interesting part of this is that uh, Maureen Dowd, who's uh, a, a, she's a, like a moderate Democrat columnist for the New York Times. Funny, snarky, smart. She wrote a piece that's getting a lot of attention in, in the New York Times, a w- way left paper. Spare me the purity racket is her headline. And uh, let's see one of the one of the uh, the key phrases is the Progressives are the modern Puritans. The Massachusetts Bay Colony is alive and well on the Potomac and Twitter. And then she relates it to the French Revolution, in which not only words were changed—you can't say this anymore; you have to say this—but they actually changed the systems, uh, the system of months and the system of days and the week. And you had to fall in line with that. Otherwise your head would go in this direction. Your body would go in that direction. Thanks to La Guillotine. Um, and, and I can share with you some of her key paragraphs in a little bit, but cause it's some dang good writing and she's saying, all right, look, you people are crazy and you're, you're about you. You're not about what you claim to be about, but getting back briefly to your, uh, Colorado State University speech code. There were a variety of, of things that uh, they didn't ban, but they said to the kids and the, the faculty and the staff, you shouldn't use these uh, these phrases. Uh, and one that we've discussed, long time no see, which the guide says is offensive to Asian students. Except that it's not. Freshmen, since the term man excludes other genders. Oof, handicap parking, the guide says the term generalizes the population. I'm a reasonably intelligent fella. I don't even know what that means. uh, That's just a... Hey, quit generalizing the population. Where do you get off generalizing? Those are just words. Yeah, wow. They they,
1: they don't mean anything.
0: And you can't use crazy, um, which implies that people experiencing mental health challenges are not normal. There's also the oft-discussed part of it that they ended up not including in the final guide, but that you shouldn't use American the term American, because that excludes people on the continents from other countries and cultures. A Brazilian is an American, so you should use United States students. Or, Ah. I'm sorry, United States citizens. Who worries about this stuff? Don't even use the term America. Use United States, that sort of thing. Wasn't that like a Reagan speech, one of the great things about America is that anyone can become an American? Yeah, but, but, but what about a Venezuelan? Yeah, probably a poor example at this point, but you could become a Venezuelan if you enjoy starving. Uh Let's see, where are some... Uh, it did recommend people avoid male and female, a Mr. and Mrs. Male and female refers to biological sex and not gender, so don't mention that somebody's a male. How many people are on board with this, would you guess? on a college campus it's a substantial number of the, uh, I for the would general s- population well even on a college campus i would say it is a large minority but they are so savage and they if you if you frame a debate in if you're with me you're a good person and if you're against me you're a racist and probably a rapist and a racist rapist um Then people are terrified to speak out against you. So it's the framing of it, every bit as much as the opinion. But in the general population, oh no, it's not not a lot. But everybody's cowed. Mm, I'd say uh, more, but you know, I could be I could be wrong. Oh yeah, I think there's a solid fifteen percent, twenty percent. You would have a giant
1: swath of the country. Where there wouldn't be 1% in the state. Right. Many
0: states. But you're hyper-populated blue states. Yeah, I don't people know. People are at least terrified to say they're against it, so it's tough to get a, a sense of that. Um. Anyway, the reason you don't use male and female is in terms of communications methods, we rarely need to identify or know a person's biological sex and are often referring to gender. Then, of course, they get into the 57 different pronouns you're supposed to memorize for people. Um... It also suggests that people use heterosexual instead of straight, since straight implies that anyone LGBT is crooked or not normal. Among other words and phrases that they recommend avoiding are basket case, birth defect, the blind. Um, you can't use the blind. The deaf, eye for an eye, colored, dwarf, midget, hip hip hooray. Why can't you oh, oh. say hip, hip, oh, hooray? There, Wait a second, got to switch to this other article. I mean, I'm... the other
1: ones I get in theory, even though I don't
0: think Where in Where is practice... it? Here it is. Oh, I'm so glad you asked that question. I'm so glad. For example, the guide explains the, team, the term hip, hip, hooray stems from, Michael, are you ready? Nazi Germany. Oh, good Lord. Nazi Germany. That's right. Hip, hip, hooray. Is a Nazi slogan, Jack.
1: See, have you ever said hip, hip, hooray? But this have is, you? This is what I always wonder about any of this stuff. If the person saying it and everyone hearing it is unaware of the origin of the song God Bless America by Kate Smith or anything like that, if nobody's aware of it, it, it really is the tree falling in a forest question. Said the Nazi. <laughs> it is exactly the same thing as if a tree falls in a forest. If nobody's aware of the origin, was any harm done?
0: Says the Nazi. Nazi Germany. So So now Joe's going, Nazi says what? (laughs) (laughs) And the use of hep-hep was a rallying cry to hunt Jews. All right. Now, says this one person, who's obviously a racist himself... To suggest that everyone, everyone on campus is offended by the same words, I think is naive. If someone's offended by something, just say so. We don't need to be preemptively telling students to self-center. You know, or self-censor, I'm you know, sorry.
1: You know what part of this might be is the other studies we've been talking about, how college kids do so much less schoolwork and spend so much time less time in class. Right. And then so uh, and and fewer of them have jobs. So you don't have a job, you don't go to class, and you don't study you got time to stare up your own anus and think about this stuff. Armstrong and Getty. You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty
0: Show. Armstrong and Getty. This is the best of Armstrong and Getty. When are we in our best moods? Right after my first glass of wine. That's
1: pretty close to right. It doesn't mention wine. Oh, I promise you it's right. But the time of day is probably right. 11 a.m. We're we're at our happiest between 6 and 9 p.m. on weekdays. I I, I would agree. What is going on between 6 and 9 p.m.
0: for most people? You're not at work!
1: You're not at work!
0: (laughs) Eating, perhaps drinking, and family.
1: You're not at work anymore! The people you love. For most people, 6 o'clock is when you are farthest away from the next time you have to work. Exactly. Mm, Well said. Exactly. On the weekends, we uh, start being our happiest around 11. You know why? Because they didn't have to work that day. Why are you so
0: angry about being happy?
1: <laughs> it's just so obvious what's going on here. Right, sure. And they don't point it out in this article. People are happiest during the times when they don't have to work. <laughs> That's funny. What are things that lift our uh, mood? Here are the top ten. Number one. You're supposed to start at the bottom, right? and count. On. Right. Great. Scott, man, that was a near-fatal error. Number ten. Well, here's some that missed the top ten. The smell of fresh-cut grass. I I like it, but I don't know that it puts me in a good mood. It elevates my mood. I'll have to hear the rest of the list. Bumping in an old friend. Eating a home-cooked meal. A
0: lot of my old friends have complaints.
1: Yeah, did I cook the home-cooked meal? Do I have to clean up after? Right. I made a whole thing of bacon last night because I'm going to be gone all day long today for work. And, and my son really wanted bacon Oh, I see He said, so I've been craving getting... cold bacon He likes cold bacon that really? in the fridge So last night at like 10 ah, o'clock Consistency's too weird I've, But who am I to tell I've, the boy I've, what to like? I fried up a whole thing of bacon Yeah The whole package Oh, yeah And put it in the fridge So he gets to wake up and have cold bacon for breakfast Yeah, that's a good and dad lunch. right, he right just, there He sits there in his beanbag chair watching TV eating bacon That's a life right there that makes <laughs> make me happy Got the world beat <laughs> He does um, but Winning um. Put anywhere. Use your top ten. Put you in good mood. Number ten, having a snack. I'm doing that right now. Made me happier having a snack. Number nine, flowers in bloom. I like them. All right. Doesn't change my mood any. Uh. Number eight, sounds of bird
0: chirping. Shut up. Oh wow. <laughs> I tweeted about this. I went out to have a cup of coffee Saturday morning. Uh, listening to the birds a chirping. Whopper will. Whopper will. And that's when my neighbors had their gardeners over who weed whacked for ten minutes and then blew for like twenty. Does this guy get paid per like square cubic foot of air or however you'd measure it? Just the blowing went on and on that's so and worst on. Sound. Oh man, I, I wanted to commit an act of violence. Uh, Glad put, I didn't. Puts in. I mean, Rand Paul's neighbor might over lawn care, but I'm not. That was a bird
1: right there. Whoop or look up here. Number seven, good weather on the weekend. Number six, getting a hug. Ah, that's nice. Number five, finding money in your pocket. That's uh, better than getting a... Mm. I remember back in the day, finding money in my pocket was just like, oh, my God, there's a $20 bill in my pants. 20 Oh, my God. Talking to a Rockefeller here. Uh, number four, getting a compliment. Number three, going for a walk. Number two, when the sun comes
0: out. There That's uh, Seattleites, Portlanders.
1: Mm. I've never been affected that much by clouds or sun, but like my wife really is. Uh, number one, a good night's sleep. That's what puts us in good mood. Wow. So get a good night's wow. sleep. Wow. Have a snack. That's a little Hug tip right Somebody there. Listen to the birds.
0: <laughs> Lay down in a beanbag chair and eat bacon. Yeah. Eat some cold bacon. Mm, yep. Wait for the sun to come out. And if the uh, guy is blowing his blower too long, you just take out a pellet gun and put one in his thigh. <laughs> <laughs> just the little, you know what? I've said it a hundred times. You have to have disincentives for bad behavior. Hmm. It's simply a, you know, uh, all right, I'm not saying I'm going to do that. I'm not saying I have done that. I'm not saying I would do that. But if you don't turn that blanking thing off, what are you blowing now? What is there, one blade of grass? I'll come over there. I'll crawl around. I'll pick it up. Turn it off. (laughs) Uh They're, They're yards like the size of a tennis court. That's it.
1: In Vegas, I'm staying at uh, one of the big casinos in Vegas. I'm in bed, got in late with my son. Hooker's um, next to you. Is she breathing? We don't know. My son's actually next to me. We're having a very wholesome Vegas trip. But... Oh, sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> fade to uh,
0: fade to the casino. Ching
1: ching ching. My phone goes ding at seven o'clock in the morning, and I look. This is your friendly uh, computer concierge from the hotel to let you know if you want anything. I left them the worst review you could possibly get. You're, you're waking people up at 7 o'clock in the morning in Las Vegas? Yes. To ask them if they want anything? Yes. Anything you're before crazy. you go to bed? <laughs> You're crazy. <laughs>
0: right, exactly. <laughs> you're awake. What do people do when they're awake in Vegas? Oh, they got a bad review out of huh?
1: me. You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show.
0: Armstrong and Getty. Armstrong and Getty. This is the best of
1: Armstrong and Getty. Did I talk about how I volunteered the last day of school, which seems like it was a week ago, um, for last year? And they, they, they had these various projects for kids, and I was the parent overseeing little kids driving nails into tin cans with a hammer. And a whole bunch of third graders with hammers and nails and swinging hammers and sharp things. I mean, like, it was just driving me crazy. And then people were swinging it, trying to swing at each other and hitting rocks and hitting the building. And it just, and it was just trying to keep the, the cats herded. I mean, yeah. it, my blood pressure was like 900 over 600. Right. And I said to the teacher, how do you do this all day, every day? And just takes a different sort of. I'm person. But anyway, thrilled
0: to hear kids were had hammers and nails. I was pretty shocked by it, but yeah. anyway. Uh,
1: but I am very bothered by the uh, the the curriculum that is forced down a lot of schools' throats, um, whether the teachers agree with it or not. I mean, I don't blame teachers or anything like that for that. But um, there was a a moment last year where my son brought up somebody they were studying in school for history. I'd never heard of this person in my life, and I'm a history nut. I mean mm. I, I've been reading books, watching shows, just taking classes for my whole life. I've been into this and I didn't know who this person was. And, and and it was a major topic of conversation in his class, and he doesn't know who Thomas Jefferson is. Oh boy. And I just I found that striking. Yeah. Activist history. Here's one of the latest things that they're proposing for California schools. Uh, Ethnic studies, and there's a description on the website of what this will include. Ethnic studies is ex-disciplinary. Okay. We're Uh, we're four uh, words uh, in. Point of order? We're four words in and already at a word that I don't know what it means. In that it variously takes the forms of being interdisciplinary, multidisciplinary, transdisciplinary, unidisciplinary, and intradisciplinary. Okay, that's just a whole bunch of words.
0: Um, How think- do you climb up your own butt? I mean, I don't even understand the <laughs> mechanics of it. And there are people—I mean, who wrote that—who are I just way up there. As such, it can grow
1: its original language. We're growing language now, people.
0: Oh, hello, calling Dr. Orwell. Calling Dr. Orwell to
1: serve these needs with purposeful respellings of terms. Now we're, we're we're creating language and respelling ah, things, ah, like they did in the French Revolution, among others, including history as herstory, and women as womxn, w o m x n. Yes, finally connecting with a gender, women
0: liberated from that damned e. Am I right, ladies? Who's with me?
1: So they're going to respell history as herstory and women as womxn, connecting with a gender and sexuality lens along with a socioeconomic class lens at three of its intersections. Terms utilized throughout this document, which may be unfamiliar to new practitioners of the field and every other homo sapien on Earth... And, and, (laughs) by the grace of God, will vanish into the dustbin of history soon, I hope. ...are defined in the glossary, which is another thing that you have to click on. Yes. I mean, I just read... That's one of the very first paragraphs describing what this new ethnic studies thing is going to be in the public schools, and I don't even understand... A tenth of what they're talking about, and,
0: and listen, they would respond, "Well, you're ignorant of the terms you need to know and the principles that we've been teaching your poor undergrads, and you need to learn yourself up on this. Your ignorance is not our problem." They're so, they're
1: going to focus on the achievement gap between students of different racial backgrounds. This debt refers to what students of color in the United States are owed after centuries of educational trauma dehumanization and enforced socio-political, culture-historical, economic and moral
0: constraints via the education system. You know what they need to teach those people is how to write a short declarative sentence. (laughs) I mean, my God, you you need to, like, pack a lunch midway through each of those sentences. And and here's the key sentence after that one. Oh, boy. Brace yourselves. Which,
1: you know, some of that stuff, you get into older grades, fine. You know, we can talk about that and discuss that
0: sort of stuff. Absolutely. I
1: sure don't want to see any of that in, like, second and third grade. I really don't. Oh, you've got to start the indoctrination young, Jack. Can you just work on reading and math?
0: No, no way. That's not nearly as important as the right political attitudes. But here's the key.
1: Ethnic studies intentionally works toward helping pay this education debt. Ooh, We're paying debts now. We're going to right the wrongs of the past somehow and straighten that out.
0: Your children are, yes. Hmm. So, listen, I have a little more of the, uh, Ethnic the verbiage. Ethnic studies
1: has created a space for all students to learn about and analyze their identities and
0: herksteries? H-X-R-S-T-O-R-I-E-S. Somebody's going to tell me how to pronounce that so I can mock it. And I'll be mocking it. Read this piece uh, in the uh, Wall Street Journal by Williamson Evers. Evers. Why does everybody have a cooler name than me? Williamson. Wow. Um, California's uh, Education Department has issued an ethnic studies model curriculum and is soliciting public comments. The, uh, this mandated guide, the legislature of Cal Unicornia passed this garbage. It's mandated now. Um, written by an advisory board of teachers, academics, and bureaucrats. It's as bad as you imagine, writes old, uh, Mr. Evans. Ethnic studies is described in the document as the interdisciplinary study of race, ethnicity, and indigeneity. That would be your indigenous people, I guess with an emphasis on experiences of people of color in the United States. But that's not all it is. It is the study of intersectional and ancestral roots, coloniality, hegemony, hegemony in a dignified world where many worlds fit for present and future generations. It is the ex-disciplinary, loving, and critical praxis of holistic humanity instead of how to spell. You know, you know... Tell
1: me that that I'm not overreacting or I am overreacting by boiling it down to this. The uh, the emphasis is going to be white people are bad and caused all the problems for everybody that's not white yes. and America caused all the problems for the rest of the world. Oh, there's way That's
0: the point of this. That's the first class. Don't never ever trust whitey. Well, that's good advice, but um so that's that's where it begins. Listen to this though. And 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 first some just some mockable, and then the serious stuff. The document is filled with fashionable academic jargon like positionalities, hybridities, and neplantas, and neplantas. Miss, isn't that like a? It's like a banana, but not as sweet. Um, and misogynoir. It includes faddish social science lingo like cis-heteropatriarchy that may make sense to radical university professors and activists, but doesn't mean much to the regular folks who send their children to California's public schools. It's difficult to comprehend the depth and breadth of the ideological bias and misrepresentations without reading the whole curriculum, something few will want to do. Let's begin with economics. Capitalism, or as I prefer, the free market.
1: Is described as capitalism is a word invented by Karl Marx as a slur. Right. It has become accepted, and people don't always mean it as a slur when they say it now.
0: Right. Well, no, I, it still bothers me a little bit, but in but the same market, way gay people have taken back queer, um, I guess maybe we're taking back capitalism. But
1: free market is a better term.
0: Absolutely. Capitalism is described as a form of power and oppression alongside patriarchy, racism, white supremacy, and ableism. Capitalism and capitalists appear as villains several times in the documents. And indeed, it's heavily implied that capitalism is in itself racist. On politics, the model curriculum is similarly left wing. One proposed course promises to explore the African-American experience, quote, from the pre-colonial ancestral roots in Africa to the transatlantic slave trade and enslaved people's uprisings in the antebellum South to the elements of hip hop and African cultural retentions. Um and then they list a bunch of people to s- discover including, you know, uh terrorists and revolutionaries and cop killers and the rest of it. Um although, you know, I I'm fine with studying villains as long as they're portrayed as villains. Um Did oh, you get around to studying the founding fathers though? Have
1: you done that yet? See, there's there's a whole bunch of stuff you got to do also.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um l- Listen to this. Oh my god, this is how far it goes. This may be the single most troubling uh development in wackadoo academia, wackademia, if you will, their description of critical thinking. You may have heard us talking about how in modern college debates now, the idea of building a logical case is being rejected in favor of, this is my truth. And if you're adamant about it and feel it emotionally, you win the debate, which is absurd and terrifying. Listen to this. The curriculum is entirely wrongheaded when it comes to critical thinking. Critical thinking is described not as reasoning through logic and consideration of evidence, but rather a vague deconstruction of power relationships so that one can, quote, speak out on social issues. Thinking critically, quote, requires individuals to evaluate phenomenon through the lens of systems, the rules within those systems, who wields power within systems, and the impact of that power on the relationships between people existing within symptoms. In other words, you can reject that which is plainly true if you don't like the people who came up with it. It is entirely race-based logic. We used to do that sort of thing in America. If a black man says it, it doesn't matter. If a black woman feels it, it doesn't matter. Y'all want to keep that going. You just want the power to do it yourselves. It's disgusting, and you need to reject it immediately and strenuously. Don't let this crap be taught in your schools.
1: So we gotta, uh, we should link this at our website, Hanson, just because you might think we're making this up or this is an exaggeration. This is on the California government website. Governor Brown, it says right here on the website, Governor Brown, the last governor of California, uh, required the State Board of Education to adopt an ethnic studies model curriculum. And this is a this is a layout of what uh, what they're discussing, and you, it's you can read all this stuff we were just talking about these crazy terms, Herkstery.
0: Yeah, the Wall Street Journal is really protective of their content. They got the big paywall and everything. I'd love to be able to distribute this, but I want to make sure we do it in a way that won't get us sued. Uh, cause this piece is excellent and it's a nice little thing to keep handy with you as, as, as this comes to the fore in your public schools. And, and again, you know, for those who don't live in Cal Unicornia, it is coming your way, guaranteed. They are teaching this stuff at Ohio State. They're teaching it at Rice and Rutgers. They're teaching it at Central Florida and my uh, alma mater, the University of Illinois. I guarantee you they're indoctrinating people 24-7. And you got to be aware of this stuff. This course it's is crap. Des- it's crap.
1: It's crap. It's crap. This course is designed to help students develop an intersectional and global understanding of the impact of race and racism. They'll learn about the interlocking systems of oppression and privilege that impact all people of color.
0: Even as there's an enormous problem with just having kids at grade level right. in math and reading. and the STEM stuff. But listen, Chairman Mao knew it. Pol Pot knew it. Hitler knew it. Stalin knew it. The reading, writing stuff is of no importance compared to the political indoctrination. If you want to change the world to your vision, you got to get the kids believing the right stuff.
1: Some examples of systems of power we will study are white supremacy, capitalism, and patriarchy. Right. Yeah. Right. Huh.
0: Oh, boy. Oh, boy is right. Armstrong and Getty.
1: You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show.
0: Armstrong and Getty. This is best of Armstrong and Getty. Which trade is very important when choosing a partner? Number one, kindness. 88.9% kindness. Wow. And then the similar supportiveness, about 72% said intelligence, 64 and a half down to education, and 60% confident. Confidence. So if you're confident and kind. I mean this. You got it going on. I mean this sincerely. Is hot on the list? Cause that seems to be. Wrong, Jack, which proves women are liars. This is a uh, a couple of companies and universities got together and, and did this survey of 64,000 women around the world, which renders some of the answers irrelevant. Some poor gal in Saudi Arabia just praying that her husband doesn't beat her too much is probably looking for different qualities than some uh, uh, some Chiquita in the Bronx looking for a lumberjack-looking hipster who actually has some muscles like a lumberjack <laughs> and not linguine arms like a hipster. Um, so, again, it's all about kindness. But uh, thinnest neck I've ever seen. Joe's working the physical angle on people. Exactly. Neck like a soda straw. Not a long ball hitter. What percentage of women? Again, this is many countries uh primary uh oh, oh what's is this very important your partner's desire to parent 46% said yes 46% of women of all sexual orientations said a potential partner's desire to parent is very important mm-hmm. women want to be moms a lot of mo- what most women do um it's few women who said ethnic or religious similarity are important traits in a long-term partner only about 25% again if you're asking gals in Saudi Arabia, they'd better pick a Muslim or they'll be put to death. Likewise, Somalia and Iran and Pakistan and Afghanistan and, and most Muslim countries on earth. <laughs> if she's a Muslim. That's a lot of
1: You know, people don't check that box, but most people marry within their own ethnicity and faith. Correct. Uh, faith is not as big a deal as it used to be. Most people just kinda automatically do that. I think it's
0: so automatic you wouldn't even think about it. Right. Now the whole ethnic similarity thing, I think it was it's barely ten percent said that is an important trait. But look around you, it clearly happens. Well, right. And and the funny thing is I remember, you know, back when I was a kid, people would talk a lot more about, yeah, this Italian guy or this uh, this Irishman or a whopper or you know, Polak or whatever. And nobody cares about that stuff anymore. People want tribes, they want divisions. And when America was m- even more white than it is now, it was what? Uh, where were your grandparents from? Right? You know, are they one of those things I mentioned, or uh, you know, a dozen different other ethnicities right, that have come in
1: waves? Most people were white, so you had to break it down even further. Just like all those people killing each other in the Middle East look exactly the same,
0: right? And and have the same core religion, you know, maybe the Shia versus uh, Sunni thing. Still
1: but. have to find a way to divide yourselves.
0: Yeah, so anyway, Uh when it comes to physical features, an attractive smile. By the way, if the kids are uh, listening, perhaps now would be a great time to put in your Rafi uh, tape. People still listen to Rafi? What's Rafi? Or Baby Shark. Baby oh, Beluga. Baby Shark. O- who's Rafi? What's it's Rafi? Rafi's the Led Zeppelin of non-threatening children's music. Mm. When it comes to physical features, an attractive smile is important, more important than anything else, including genitals. For both heterosexual and homosexual women... Did you, did you put that in there for comedic? No, that's in that's there. Partner? I'm just reading. I would never do that, Jack. Including genitals? Yes. For both hetero and non-hetero women, an attractive smile and attractive eyes were the most important physical features sought in a long-term partner. Yeah, I... I yeah. For hetero women, right after smile and pretty eyes is an average-sized penis, which was considera- considered more desirable than a large penis.
1: I don't oh, That's That's kind of interesting.
0: Women with more sexual experience were more likely to place a higher importance on Wang size.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Just having sat around in a lot of bars listening to a lot of women talk loose-lipped
0: after drink. That just doesn't seem to be that big a deal. Short hair, large hands, an attractive back, muscular arms, and facial hair were the next physical features most frequently selected as desirable. That's why most of my going-out shirts are all backless. Hairy? That's that's a good policy.
1: Hairy arms and muscular faces? Is that what you said?
0: Short hair, large... (laughs) Never mind. For women who identified as a lesbian, gay, or homosexual...
1: Short hands and large hair.
0: Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the next most desirable physical features, after a nice smile, average breasts, average buttocks. I have average breasts. Attractive back again, and long hair in that order.
1: I've never heard a woman say, look at the back on that guy.
0: Oh, yeah. Huh. Well, that's there. Keeping that's because you're you, cause walking you, away when they say it. Because you got a soft, <laughs> flabby back. They don't want to embarrass you, flab back. <laughs> flabby, hunched over. Is ear hair on that list? <laughs> Women love that. As long as it's carefully styled. (laughs) Uh, How important is financial security Mm. when choosing a partner? Uh, Gals in Japan. uh, Two-thirds of gals in Japan said that's very important. U.S. is down at 59% and only 34% in France. Probably because the government is, you know, socialist. So who cares? Mm. Um, To a large extent. Uh, Let's see. Anything else? Education. eh, It's fairly
1: important. Arm hair? Was that actually one? What? Oh, muscular arms.
0: Yes. Yes. Yeah. And an attractive back. That's... You and your backless shirt. <laughs> oh, that's
1: great. Sometimes the dress codes, the bouncers give me a hard time, but I can usually work my way past <laughs> yeah. that. You yeah.
0: you wear more halter tops than most guys do. <laughs> I say, no, this, cla- this costs <laughs> $200. Right. It's just a front with like a spaghetti strap around <laughs> the neck. It's your to... p- you have no culture, sir. To <laughs> show off your back. Everybody's wearing this in Paris. Idiot.
1: Armstrong and Getty. You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show.